Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. The Lord bless you. I want to ask you to open your Bibles up this morning to the book of Leviticus chapter 23. Now I want you to think about something as we're, I'm about to teach a series. We'll take a break on next Sunday for David Barton. Don't miss that. But I'm going to teach a series, and, and, I, and I, if you looked at my notes, I changed the title several different times. And I finally came up with a pathway to power and prosperity. We are, we are just a couple weeks out, two and a half weeks out, to what the Bible calls the day of Pentecost. You know, one of the, one of the saddest things, but one of the greatest eye openings that I've ever had is Tiz and I, went, or Tiz and I, Scotty and I went to Israel and we were there filming some things for television, having meetings with some folks. And we uh, took a group there. The group came in a little bit after Scotty and I were there. And we're trying to figure out how can we film on the Temple Mound steps where the Holy Spirit was released and the church was born. How are we going to do this? Because surely there's going to be tens of thousands of people. There, there are still, a lot of the steps have been remade, but there are still steps that Jesus would have walked on, Peter would have walked on, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. How are we going to film this with the noise and all the... But the, to our amazement, when we got to the temple steps, there was no one there. You would have thought on the day of Pentecost that Jerusalem would have been packed with Christians. It was empty. And it dawned on us that... Being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, the power of God has lost its meaning in the church. So I want you to understand that when this appointed time, in Hebrew it's called Shavuot. Shavuot is when Israelites came out of Egypt. God gave the Bible, the Ten Commandments to Moses. This is called Shavuot, the same day that we call Pentecost. This is the day that Jesus said, don't you leave until you get this. Now, I want you to think about the last words that Jesus is instructing his followers. Do not leave Jerusalem until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The journey to the day of Pentecost is a pathway on God's calendar, a pathway to power and prosperity. Now, I want you to think about where we are in the story. Last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. Right after this, in the book of John, chapter 20, the Bible says that Mary comes to the tomb. 
there is an angel there, and the angel says, what are you looking for? And Mary says, I'm looking for my Lord and Savior. And she hears a noise. She turns around, and the scripture says she thought it was a gardener, but it was Jesus. And he said, why are you sad? I want you to remember those words. Why are you sad? Jesus is not here, but he's risen. And she recognizes him, and she says, Rabboni, Master Rabbi, it's you, Jesus. And he goes, go tell the disciples. I'm going to come and see them. We see in Matthew 28 where the Bible says, And they went to tell the disciples, and behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice, be happy, be glad. And they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they also will see me. We see Jesus meeting with Peter. We see Jesus meeting with the disciples, and every time he says, don't be afraid, be in peace, shalom. We see where Jesus meets doubting Thomas. This is where we get the term, doubting Thomas. They came to Thomas and said, he's risen, we've seen him. Thomas didn't believe it, and then all of a sudden Jesus shows up, and he says, Thomas, don't be afraid, it's me. I'm not a ghost, don't be afraid. And he says, put your finger in the holes in my hand. Put your finger in the hole in my side. We see where Jesus goes from meeting one to meeting two to meeting seven to meeting 70 to meeting 500. And over and over again, we see Jesus saying to everyone, why are you sad? Don't be afraid. Be happy. It is me. Now, the thing I want you to understand, and I think we know it, but I think sometimes it slips past us that all of these manifestations of a resurrected Jesus happened in the days from resurrection to Pentecost. We're going to talk about that the next several weeks. In Hebrew, it's called counting of the Omer. There are seven weeks, seven Sabbaths, 49 days plus one, and we get to Pentecost. Now, Shavuot, the day we got the Bible, and the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, these are the same days. And Shavuot, God gave the Bible. On Pentecost, the exact same day, God gave the power. The Bible and the power. This is a pathway to everything God wants us to have. Read with me in the book of Leviticus, and we're going to take a little bit of time here. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9. Look at the word of God. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of first fruits to your harvest to the priests. He shall wave the sheath before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And it shall be, and it shall offer, and you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheath, a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering unto the Lord. It's a grain offering shall be two tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil, 
an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma, and its drink offering shall be of wine one-fourth of a hin. And you shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the day, the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. And it shall be a statue, a commandment forever throughout your generations at all your dwellings. Now, we, we understand that, and we celebrated this. This is Resurrection Sunday. This is Passover. But so many times when we get past Resurrection Sunday, when we get beyond Passover, we stop. But I want you to focus especially on the next verses because that's where you and I are on God's calendar at this very second. Listen to what the Word of God says. This is where we are right now. And you shall count for yourselves, and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you have brought the sheath of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Now, seven Sabbaths is seven weeks, which equals 49 days. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord, and you shall bring from your habitation two wave loaves. How many loaves? Look at me. And we're going to get in this in the weeks to come. Why two? When they offered the Passover offering, it was an offering of barley. Barley is what slaves ate. Barley is what they fed the cattle. But God says 50 days later, a jubilee later, a jubilee later, when debts are canceled, when slaves are set free, when everything that's been stolen comes back. Oh, I need a better amen than that. See, my people destroyed for what reason? Here we're right in the midst of this. And I'm going to tell you, 99% of the church does not know it. They don't know where we are. So 50 days later, God says, I don't want you to bring me an offering of a slave or an animal. I want you to bring me a wheat offering. And I want you to bring two loaves. Why two loaves? Now remember, on these appointed times, certain Miracle powers of God are released. Why two loaves? One loaf on the day of Pentecost on Shavuot, one loaf represents prosperity. The other loaf represents the power of God. Prosperity and power. In just a couple weeks, the window of heaven opens up and God pours out on those who are paying attention power and prosperity, signs and wonders and miracles, gifts of the Spirit. And listen to me, every single time, say every time, every time God moves spiritually, he also moves financially. Now, I know, I know that the prosperity message in a lot of ways has become a gimmick. I understand that. But just because, this, you know, the, you've heard this illustration a thousand times. Nobody comes up to you and says, do you have change for a $25 bill? 
Nobody tries to pass off counterfeit money that's not real. The reason why the devil has made the prosperity message a joke is because God's plan is that when he is getting ready to move spiritually, he also moves financially. It does no good to have the power of God without the wealth to do something with that power. When Israel left Egypt, they left by the miracle power of God, and they left with all the silver and the gold. So why was it, why was it that God had to wait 50 days, Jubilee, seven Sabbaths, 50 days to go from Egypt to the Ten Commandments? Why did God have to wait from the resurrection to the day of Pentecost? Why didn't God just give the Holy Spirit then? Why did he just give the Bible then? Because they had to go on a journey from a slave mentality to a child of God mentality. Now, I wish I would have done this, and, and I thought about it last night, and it was too late. Uh, maybe we can do this in two weeks when, when we come back and start this. The Bible says that we are to count up. I want you to picture a ladder. I don't know if we have a, Israel, I don't know if we have a big ladder. I want you to picture climbing a ladder. You know, most of the time when you're heading for a big day, you count down. Ten, nine, five more days to my birthday, three more days to graduation, two more days till we go to Disney World. You count down. But God specifically says two things. Number one, count up. Because it's a resurrection from a poverty mentality, a slave mentality, to preparation to a child of God mentality, that God is Jehovah Jireh, not Egypt, where you're going to get leeks and garlic. It is a count up. The second thing God says here, and this is so important, he says, count for yourself. Nobody can prepare you except you. Let me say it again. Count for yourself. And so what we need to look at is climbing the ladder, if, you, if I would, if you could, the ladder of success. And we need to look at starting off on the bottom rung. Now remember, Israel, the Israelites had been in Egypt for 400 years correct? They've been slaves for 200 years. Ancient Jewish wisdom tells us that there are 49 levels of growth in God. Seven times seven is what? They said Israelites living in Egypt had gone down to the 49th level, the lowest level. They'd gone down because even though they were Jews, the ways of the world had infiltrated their lives. The morals of Egypt, the mentality of Egypt, the cruelty of Egypt, the selfishness of Egypt. And so God had to take them from the lowest level, 
up as high as they possibly can go. Now, I want you to listen to me because I'm going to teach several different steps in the next few weeks. In a few weeks, the windows of heaven open up. The day of Pentecost, Shavuot. That's the day in which God renews power. God gives power, gifts of the Spirit. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, visions, dreams. But he also releases the power in your hands to gain wealth. Now what we need to remember is it's not Egypt that gives us the power in our hands. God said, don't you forget it is me who gives you power in your hands to gain wealth. Now, the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the anointing of God. This is all part of Pentecost. But today, unashamedly, I want to talk to you about prosperity. Because prosperity, the, 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 the first fruit offering of Pentecost is primarily a power offering, but it is also the offering for prosperity for the year. In understanding that, I want you to hear the words of the Lord. God says, I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. Hold up your hands. Say this. In my hands, I have power from God to gain wealth. Now, the reason I say that is because Christianity has done a really, really good job in making a lot of Christians ashamed of prosperity. They've made a lot of Christians ashamed of prosperity. Now, I understand the abuse. I understand the abuse of of sometimes the prosperity message and everything. I understand that. But what you've got to understand is, is that there is a wealth, say wealth, that comes from the Lord... And brings no sorrow with it. Are you okay? Are you okay so far? Because if we think being prosperous is bad, even though the scripture says, I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. If we think, but being prosperous is bad, then we're double-minded And a double-minded man is unstable. The reason why it took 50 days is because even though though the Jews were out of Egypt, Egypt wasn't out of them. How many times have you ever heard you can take a boy out of a trailer park, but you can't take the trailer park out of a boy? When I first got saved, when I first got saved, uh, I was saved by grace. But I still had a drug addict mentality. I still had from the hood mentality. I still had relating to my heavenly father, my earthly father, or that... My father's a hard taskmaster. I had that mentality. I had to change from a street mentality to a kingdom mentality. 
Do you understand? When I was a little boy, when I was a young boy, probably, I think, eight years old or something, I heard my dad on the phone trying to give me away. I walked in, and his back, I can remember exactly where he was standing, where I was standing, and his back was to me, and he said, I already got one. I don't want to feed this one. And he, come, and he was trying to give me away to a home, to a, some kind of home. And I remember going, my gosh, my dad's giving me away. And I remember I said, you know what? No one's ever going to make me cry again. And, and I just, I just, it just changed my life. But I, and I carried that. Here I am saved by grace. I, there's nothing I can do. I, but I carried that mentality with me into the beginning of my Christianity. Surely somewhere along the way, my father's going to give me away. But I want you to hear this. Not looking at your heavenly father the way you would look at an earthly father. It is your heavenly father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, we hear that so much, I think sometimes we become deafened by the words. It is your heavenly father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Bible says... The kingdom of God is charity, joy, happiness, wholeness, peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. In other words, think about this, that the kingdom of heaven, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of heaven. And part of the kingdom of heaven is righteousness or acts of kindness. In other words, your father is walking around. I want, now, you got to grab this, getting ready for Pentecost. Your father's walking, walking around looking for somebody he can bless. That's exactly what it said. I'm looking for someone that I can be strong in their behalf. So, so many times, oh, God, please, God, please, please, God, get, bless me, bless me. But I'm not worthy. No, I'm not worthy. On my own, I am not worthy. But under the blood of Jesus, I am worthy. You are worthy for good measure, pressed down, shaking together, overflowing. We've got to get away from the street mentality. You know what? Maybe your father abandoned you. Maybe your father was never around. But our father says, not only is it my pleasure to give to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, the kingdom. But our father said, and I will never leave you and never forsake you. That's the reason for the 50 days. Now, I want you to picture climbing the ladder. Picture a ladder here and climbing the ladder to the day of Pentecost or to the day of Shavuot. And picture that, I think we're already into, let me think, we're the 14th day of, of, of Omer. We're already two weeks into it. So, so we, we have uh, five more weeks to go. So I want you to picture, here's where God wants me to, here's where I am. I've been a, I've been a, a, a slave to the world. I've been in the world. And you know what? I'm just going to say it as, it's probably not the most spiritual way to say it, but I'm just going to say it anyway. The church has gotten pretty worldly. We've, we've, we've allowed the world, we've allowed Egypt to come in. And God wants to 
bring us up. And the, the, how many would like to, how many would like to see the power of God, the anointing of God in your life? How many would like to see, um, prosperity in your life? See, uh, let me show you something. When I said, how many would like to see the power of the anointing? God? How many would like to see prosperity? See, that's the devil. That's the devil. If you look, and this isn't even my notes, I just need to get you to square one. If you look at the creation of the world, everything God created, he said was what? Really good. If you look at the original text, he said, it's really good. Everything God created, he created for you. He said, I made the mountains. I made the ocean. I made the rivers, I made the cattle, but nowhere in creation does he tell you where to find the mountains, the cattle, the river, the ocean. But at the very end, he said, there is a river that flows out of the garden. And by the way, the garden, Eden, not all of Eden was a garden. I just ruined your theology. Next, you're going to say the Easter bunny doesn't lay eggs. The garden was part of Eden, right? Are you okay? The word Eden means voluptuous living. Come on, ladies, I'm trying to help you here. I'm I'm trying to get you on vacation where you're not taking a tent. Where we're going to Sedona. The word Eden means voluptuous living. And of all the things God created, he said, out of the garden, there flows a river and the river is Pishon. And that's up the river Pishon is where the silver and the gold is. Now, he didn't say where the mountains were. He didn't say where the rivers were. He didn't say where the ocean were. He didn't say where the cattle were. But he did say where the silver and gold is. And ancient Jewish wisdom says, when we serve God and we understand how good our God is, he will show you. Whether you're white or black or Asian or Hispanic or male or female, he will show you where the gold and the silver is. You know, part of being filled with the Holy Spirit, where Jesus commanded, don't you leave. Don't you, Lord, when are you coming again? Don't worry about that because you have a life to live here. Don't leave you till you get the Holy Spirit. He will lead you and guide you and teach you and show you things to come. Yes, I depend on the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me and teach me on the word of God, the revelation of God's word. But I also depend on God to lead me and teach me and guide me through the Holy Spirit on to be a husband and to be a father and to be a businessman and to make investments I'm going, to go, I'm going to go over to the welfare group over here, y'all. Y'all okay with prosperity over on this side? All right, I'm going to go over here. He will show you. Who do you think, who do you think, who do you think made diamonds? Who made gold? So why is it okay for, you know, I, I saw a thing today. And, and, I, and I hope he wins that you know, they're playing the Masters Golf Tournament. 
And this guy that's in first place is a, a Japanese guy, really neat guy, seems like a really nice guy. And they say he'll be the first Japanese player to ever win the, the, the Masters. And if he wins, just in endorsements and everything in China, it'll be worth to him a billion dollars. If you're, if you're a Christian and you tithe, a billion dollars. Now, I, I, that's great. That, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But why is it okay for a guy who knocks a ball in a hole... Right? Why is it okay? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But why is it not okay for you as a child of God in whatever capacity you're in, for God to lead you and guide you and teach you how to be a better businessman, a better businesswoman, how to do a better job? How, uh, you know, somebody, somebody's going to invent something new. Somebody's going to have a new idea. You know, in the in the turn of the nineteenth century, in the turn of nineteen oh one, they looked at closing down the U.S. Patent Office because they said everything that's going to be invented has been, except cars and trains and planes and medicine. And do you understand? You've heard me say this over and over again, but I'm going to say it again. Years ago, I watched, uh, I watched a, a golfer, a, a, a Mexican golfer by the name of Lee Trevino. And Lee Trevino, they asked him, what was the key to you becoming one of the best golfers in the history of the game? You know what he said? He said, when I was a kid, he said, the closest I got to a Cadillac was loading as a caddy somebody's clubs into their trunk. And then I thought, I can learn to play this game. And if I learn to play this game, somebody's going to win. Might as well be me. Now, what if he had had the mentality? Well, I'm a Christian. I can't, I can't prosper. Or, well, I'm a Mexican. I can't prosper. Or, well, I'm a woman. Or, well, I'm white. Or, well, I'm black. Or whatever. The devil, God is looking for somebody. Now, in this journey... Let me, let me show you something that's tremendously fascinating. Here we have 99 steps, seven steps per week till we get to Jubilee, Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were in one mind, one accord, one place. They were at the temple because Jesus told them not to leave, and this is when they're bringing in their first fruit offering for Shavuot for Pentecost. But you can't start up there. You have to start here. And God's word gives us tremendous insight in where to start. Now listen to this. The first step in getting from Egypt to the kingdom, the first step is the step of joy. You cannot even begin the journey unless you have joy. Now we're going to get into, we're going to get into the teachings of the power of God, the anointing of God, and boy, we need the anointing back. We need the Holy Spirit back in the church. 
Amen. We need the Holy Spirit back in the church where we lift up our hands and we praise God in the understanding and in the spirit. And I'm going to tell you something that's vitally important. There are times when I was praying for lion and tiz. I didn't know what else to say. My words felt like they're made out of lead, but I would walk through the house because my mind only knows so much, but my spirit knows everything because my spirit is full of the spirit of God and so does yours. Amen. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about that, but you've got to understand also that the step of joy, this step of happiness, why of all things does God say, this is where your journey begins. The more you climb this ladder, the more on the day of Pentecost you'll receive. So why does God say start it with a step of joy and happiness of shalom? Why does God say, you know, you would think, okay, I've got to, I've got to get closer to God. So I need to fast or I need to get closer to God. So I need to pray for, for, for 24 hours straight or I need to, how many have ever been doing all night prayer meeting? Anybody ever been in all night? Come on. You and I know after two hours is, Okay, 23 and a half hours left. (laughs) Don't be so real, Pastor. Don't be so real. The Bible says, here's a scripture. Can you guys pull up Nehemiah 8? 10. I think it's Nehemiah. Is it Nehemiah 8.10? Can you guys pull that up? Nehemiah 8.10. Here's a scripture that we use all the time, and it's great. I, I use it all the time, but we need to read. Can we pull it up? You guys still up there? Hey! I'm talking about the joy. How about helping a little bit? The joy of the Lord is our strength. What a great scripture, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. But read what, read what comes along with it. Enjoy the fat of the land. Enjoy the good of the drink. Enjoy the happiness because this is what God has for you. Because the joy of the Lord. In other words, what he's saying when we, when we read the scripture, the joy of the Lord is our strength. He's saying, you know what? When you enjoy life, Is that true? All right, let me, let me ask you something. How strong are you in the kingdom of God when you're worried about your bills, when you're worried about your rent, when you're worried about whether your car is going to make it to work, when you're worried about keeping the lights on? How strong are you? But when you don't have to worry about any of those things, and your, your, your car, your new car... The joy of the Lord is your strength. When you're not worrying about bills, when you're not worrying about payments, when you're not worried about any things, now you can focus on winning the world, standing with Israel, getting people... Now watch this. This this is what's so interesting in studying the Bible in Hebrew. 
There are, there are nine, maybe ten words in Hebrew that mean joy or happiness. Now remember, the first step to Pentecost Shavuot is joy, to be a happy person. There are nine or ten Hebrew words. One of them is kind of the same. But there are two main words. Let's look at one of them. One of the main words, probably the main word for joy and happiness and peace is simcha. Lion was born on Simcha Torah, the joy of the word of God. And you know what? Even when he was sick, he was always full of happiness. They got tubes in him, needles in him, you know, hairs gone. And he was all, he was all, <laughs> we could already lift his head. He was full of joy. And we claim this for him. But I want you to look at what the word Simcha means. It means joy. It means happiness. It means celebration. It literally means, now watch this, it literally means that when somebody gives you a gift, it gives you joy. When you have a birthday, it gives you joy. You buy a new car, it gives you joy. You move into a new house, it gives you joy. Your investment comes back and you made money, it gives you joy. You have a baby, it gives you joy. You have a grandchild, it really gives you joy because you can fill them with sugar and send them home. It's payday. (laughs) You know, Joseph Shulam in Jerusalem said, the devil has invented American Christianity to take the joy out of knowing Jesus. I can remember when I first got saved. You've heard this story before. But when I first got saved, I mean, man, I got saved. I, I didn't know I didn't know everything what God was going to do, but I, I got saved. A, a million pounds lifted off of my shoulders, and man, and every you know, I had, I had hair down the here and earrings hanging in before God. People wearing earrings. I, I had rings on every finger. I had rings on my toes. I was looking good. Every evangelist would come through. Remember the old days when you had two week revivals every two weeks. Every evangelist come through and say, you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to go, you know, I'm just, okay. (laughs) Sounds good to me. When I first got saved, I have two college degrees. But when I first got saved, I had done so many drugs for so many years. They put me in the 15 and under Sunday school class because I couldn't talk. I couldn't think. I still have, I still have glitches sometimes. I'm what was I talking about? I'm not joking. 15 and under Sunday school class. I got double promotions, college degrees, but I'd done drugs for so long. You're going to preach the gospel around the world. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I was loving it. But there's this one guy. He was an elder in the church. You ever meet an elder that, well, I've been in the way for 30 years. And God's going, you have been in the way for 30 years. <laughs> And he followed me around. And one day he followed me. I've told you this story before. He followed me into the bathroom, which is where his ministry belonged. <laughs> and I remember I'm in, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm washing my hands and, you know, I had hair and everything, you know, and, and I'm just happy. I'm just born again. I'm saved. Life is good. And he, I can see him looking at me in the mirror. Hey, hey what's up, Bob? He goes, God will never use you. Now this is an elder. And I'm going, Really? 
Why? He goes, because you laugh too much. This is serious. And he walked away. And God spoke to me and said, keep on laughing, son. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, we make, listen, religion is serious because it has no power. But a relationship with the resurrected son of God is full of joy and happiness and peace. We're going to talk about this down the line when we talk about the power of God. But an unhappy person cannot have the Holy Spirit resting on them. That's what, let me say that again. I, I felt that. An unhappy person cannot have the Holy Spirit resting on them. They can't prophesy. They can't see what God is saying. They can't hear what God is saying. They can't. So that's why the Bible says rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord how often? I looked up the word. I said, I'm going to look up the word always in Hebrew. And you know what it actually means in Hebrew? The word always? Always. So in other words, whenever you are not happy. Now, I I say this all the time. The devil, we we have a saying in our family, the devil doesn't get my joy. Now, he'll he'll try to steal it for a moment or two. But you got to shake that off. You've got to rejoice in the Lord. You've got to praise God. Well, but pastor, I'm going through something. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so let me tell you something. Don't do business with a sad person. Misery loves company. I would say don't marry a sad person, but let me say this. If you're a sad person, you're married, change. Because my God is an awesome God. My God is a powerful God. My God is a resurrected God. We got to get out. You know, and, and it's not easy. It's not a one moment thing. It's not a one. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> terrible illustration just popped into my mind. You ever see the movie? Don't watch it. It's no good. What, well, I think one of the funniest people in the world is Eddie Murphy. He needs, he needs to get his mouth saved. I understand that. But you ever see the movie Trading Places? Look at some of you going. God knows if you watched it. I didn't watch it. Tiz told me about it. But remember, he was he was uh, he was the the on the on the cart. Remember, and he's conning people. Oh, first Moses, now Jesus. And they bring him from the streets and put him in a mansion and everything. The first thing he's doing in the mansion, he's going, oh, yeah, this, and putting stuff in his pocket. No, says, no you got to understand, this is all yours. Yeah, this stuff is mine. I got you. I got you. This is mine. That's kind of the way God's people still do. You know, the tithing plate goes by and you fake putting the tithe in. I didn't get his man. I'm going back over here. Y'all are doing, I'm feeling good on you. I'm going over to You got to get out of the Egypt mentality. Yeah, it is mine. Okay, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I don't even even know where I am on my notes. I have no, I have no, I have no idea. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me, let me, let me show you something here. You know, everything I read, I go, 99% of what I read, I go to the Hebrew understanding. Okay? If you're looking at, let's say you have five people, 
and you're looking at them saying, I wonder who the holiest one is. Who, who's, the, who's the holiest one? And you look at one, and they're all black and black, and, you know, they got the vows of poverty on them, and, and you know, anyway. You know what the Bible, you know, ancient Jewish wisdom says? The holy ones were called besimkacha, the happy and joyous ones. The sign of someone really holy is someone who's happy. As a matter of fact, can I take it one step further in the next five minutes? As a matter of fact, it is a sin before God if God wants to bless you and you not accept that blessing and enjoy it. Now, let me say that again. Oh, no, I'm, I'm too holy. I am too holy to care about what kind of car I drive. Let me ask you something. Let, let's just get down. <laughs> let's just get down the simple facts. Okay? We're to be a witness to the world. And it, 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 it's, it, it's not a sin where you start. Not a sin where you start. When Tiz and I got first got married, we lived in a eight by eighteen foot trailer, and we were happy. If we were still there, Mama wouldn't be so happy. <laughs> I mean, we could literally put that baby on our on our bumper if we had had a bumper. So to want to go up is not a sin. To want to stay down is a sin. Now, why is that important? Because we because Christianity has done a great job in saying, you know, they should teach the group that I got saved with, and I and and I'm going to tell you something. We we were we, thank I thank God for them. They got me saved. I got off the streets. They 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 gave me a chance to go in the ministry. But they would teach this. You're either a kingdom builder or you're a city dweller. And what that meant is if you dared to buy a home or drive a nice car, then you're not using your money for the kingdom of God. Look at me. God is not on a budget. All right, now let's just do the math. We were, we, it was sin. I mean, we are, it was sin to want to prosper. All right, let's, let's, let's do this way. Let's say you're making... $30,000 a year. Okay, God, thank God. $30,000 a year. How much belongs to the Lord? 3000 plus your first fruits, right? Okay, let's say you're making $100,000 a year. How much belongs to the Lord? You've gone up. Kingdom's gone up. In Texas, we call that a duh. Right? But we've been taught in Christianity, you know, I, I can remember we were in L.A. one time and big Texas, we, we met the, the, the sisters of the vows of poverty. And guess what they were doing? Asking for money. <laughs> it worked. It worked. But let's say. Let's say we want to get the world's attention. And here's what's going to happen. Let's say we want to get the world's attention. Right? Malachi says all the world will call you blessed. 
Now, when, when Tiz and I first started off, our, the color of our car was Bondo. I remember when we were pastoring our first church, they paid us a whopping $110 a week. And Tiz, Tiz talked me into buying a Peugeot. You ever hear of a Peugeot? It's a French car. And, it, and, it, and the wheels wobbled. And I'm not joking. The wheels wobbled. The, 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 the windshield was spiderweb. I drove like this. I'm not joking. She goes, you can fix it. She was asking me to step way out of the measure of my faith. So we're, we're passing. We had, we had 6,000 young people saved in our church in Santa Fe in three years. 6,000 young people saved. Worked the streets, got people saved. But we lived, in a, we lived in, a, in an apartment, and we had people living with us. We lived in an apartment that was like 700 square feet. And so I remember all of a sudden this lady comes to our church, and her name was, I guess it's okay to say her name. Her name was a wonderful Christian lady. Her name was Lorraine Mulberger. She used to own Miller's Brewery and got saved and said, you know, that's not what God wants to have, and sold it. And she's coming. We were in, the, our church was Henry's Liquor and Meat Market. We had 32 leaks in the building. The reason it was closed down is somebody tried to rob the liquor store, and they shot two guys, and it was closed. My office was a meat, meat and beer cooler. You know, the coolers with the doors that are about this wide, and, and I got locked in there one time. It took them four hours to get me out. We had one little toilet in the back of this little, and, and just jam, kids getting saved by the thousands. And all of a sudden, one day, the back, I mean, our, our window, it was just one room. It was just one room, and our window was this yellow plastic, like, glass, plexiglass, with words that, thank God they were in Spanish carved in them and kids were standing outside and we had the doors open and one day this the door opens up and this lady walks in she's got a this white lady hat and white gloves and this this chauffeur's walking her in and brings her her own chair puts it down there her name was Lorraine Moberger she used to own Miller's Brewery and she became a church member when she wasn't there our offerings were like $50 a week when Lorraine was there, our offerings were, let me just put it this way, thank you, Jesus. But see, I was still on my journey out of Egypt. I was, in re- I was coming out of religious Egypt. And I remember she took us out to lunch one time. And she says, Pastor, what are we going to do about the building? And I said, well, I, I don't know. I, was, I, I, I asked him about knocking a wall out, but it was literally adobe mud. The building was adobe brick mud. And I said, we can't knock it out. And, and she goes, well, have you looked around? And I said, well, I've looked at a few places. You've got to understand, Lorraine there, everything's okay. Lorraine's not there, 50 bucks a week. And she goes, well, they're closing down the Levitt store in the middle of downtown Santa Fe. You know, Levitt's a big furniture place. And uh, I said, <laughs> she goes, it's going to go up for sale. And I said, uh, I said Lorraine, now this was, this was how many years ago? 40, 40 years ago or something like that? And I go, Lorraine, that's got to be a million dollars. I think she said, no, it's like 5.7 million. <laughs> and I go, well, <laughs> yeah, probably not right now. <laughs> she pulls out a checkbook. 
She pulls out her checkbook. She goes, let's buy that. And then she goes, and you know something, Pastor? That car you're driving. She goes, you're a man of God. I go, I am, I am. She goes, I want you to go down with Ralph. Ralph was her chauffeur. And she said, you go down, you get a Cadillac, you get a Lincoln, you get a Mercedes. Go down and get whatever you want. You and Tiz go down and pick it out. And she goes, you know, you've got all these kids living. We had like 15 boys' homes and girls' homes. We had, we had kids living with us everywhere. And she goes, I own Clark Gable. Was it Clark Gable? I own Clark Gable's ranch. Right outside of Santa Fe. Big place. Had big, I mean, like like four million bedrooms and acres and big, big uh, industrial kitchen. She goes, I want to give that to you and Tiz. But you know what I said? Let me call my pastor. Let me call Pharaoh. I mean my pastor. And you know what he said? He said, she'll own you. And, and then she said, you know, I'm, I'm on the board of uh, uh, Pat Robinson and the 700 Club. She goes, you need to be the 700 Club youth pastor. So I called my pastor, and they said, oh, no, you can't take that. People like that want to own you. And you know what? I turned it down. New car, new house, new church. And you know what happened? It offended her. And I thought, I wonder if that doesn't happen when God goes. What if, what if, what if I go to my grand sugars on, uh, you know, f- f- my, little, my, my granddaughter, Aviva, is really loving riding horses. So I went and found her a horse for Christmas. We had, I had it all surprised, and I had, I'm hiding the thing, and it's hard to hide a horse. <laughs> Don't look this way. Don't look. What if I'd have gone down there, and she'd go, no, no. I just don't want it. What would that have done to me? And how many times do we do that to the Father because of wrong teaching? It is your Father, my brother, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You understand that? I'll tell you one more story and we'll close. We were in, uh, we were in uh, Portland, Oregon. And this businessman came to our church, and we did some counsel with him. Long story short, God saved his marriage. God saved his business. Uh, we gave him some advice, and God saved his business and everything. So one day, we're coming out of the service, and he says to me, he says, Pastor, can uh, my wife and I see you and Tiz? And I said, sure. So we're back in the green room, and he comes back, and he goes, you know, I just want to thank you for, you know, you saved our lives and this and that. And he reaches in his pocket, and he tosses me some keys. And I looked at him, and I, and I went, what's this? It had a Mercedes emblem on it. How many know what a Mercedes emblem looks like? Who do you think makes Mercedes? And I said, what's this? He goes, I want you to have that. He said, that's that big black Mercedes out there. That's yours. But I was still coming out of Egypt. I was still coming out of Egypt. And I hadn't realized what makes our, we're going to talk about this next week. The joy of the Lord, what gives you strength is not God giving you joy as much as you giving God joy. Isn't that awesome? The joy of the Lord. It's the Father's good pleasure. He's running to and fro looking for somebody that he can be strong on their behalf. 
You ever give your kids something that they don't need? Christmas, birthday. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in the hood. I got socks and underwear. I was the first huck ever to graduate from the university. You know what I got for graduation present? A shirt. I got necessities. So when I started getting older, I started giving my kids things they didn't need. They didn't need that BB gun. Every bird in the neighborhood knew they didn't need that BB gun. You understand what I'm saying? So he said, that's yours. I I said, I can't drive this. What would people think? What would people think? And I remember I went from there and I went to a Bible conference with some just tremendous ministers. And I won't mention their name, but guys who led us in understanding that prosperity comes from God. There's a wealth that comes from the Lord. And remember, they, they, uh, we were out at, at lunch in the, in the church at the conference with just these handful of pastors. And we're talking about something. And somebody said, oh, yeah, I got this new Mercedes. I said, oh, hey, guys, let me ask you. Because I, I looked up to them as heroes. And I said, I said, this guy in my church threw me this thing. It's the big Mercedes. It's the whatever 500 or whatever and they go oh man how's it drive those are nice huh and i go i I didn't take it and they go you didn't take it i said no they said brother that's god trying to bless you i said you mean it's okay for me as a pastor to have nice stuff they said are you kidding me you've got to be an example what does the bible say all the world will look at you who's going to want jesus if we're suffering and we're miserable now the the rain falls on the just and the unjust but that rains to water the garden so i said you mean it's okay for me to drive a mercedes they said absolutely the next service i got it back into portland i said oh and open your bibles the book of matthew chapter 60 brother you still got that Mercedes? He holds up the guy. said, hook a brother up. I've been set free. <laughs> the, way we, the way we begin this thing is the step of joy, of simca, of celebration. Would you stand with me? I want to pray over you. There's one of the greatest Bible scholars of all times. His name was Mamamides. And Mamamides says, harvest, listen to this, harvest and happiness is the basic of all life. Come Pentecost, yes, there's an anointing. Yes, there is signs and wonders and miracles, and we're going to talk about that. That is so important, and I believe the outpouring of the anointing of God will be greater than we've ever seen before. We're going out, we're going out a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle, Amen. But also the anointing is, I've given you power in your hands to gain wealth. In your hands, you have the power to gain wealth. Somebody shout wealth. Can I give you one last illustration? It's an old John Avanzini. John Avanzini was a good friend of mine. And he said, how many of you, he's in our church, he said, how many of you have ever laid hands on the sick and seen them healed? How many of you ever done that? Laid hands on the sick, lift your hands up. You've laid hands on the sick and see them healed, all right? You know, only Christians can do that. Only children of God can do that. But then he said, what if I told you that I was going to start back here 
and run and jump all the way to where Donnie is. How many believe I could do that? We, John wasn't in the best of shape then. He said, but what if I told you I've already jumped from here to the back cameras? Well, if I've already jumped from here to the back cameras, if I've done something greater, then you know I can do something less. If you've already laid hands on the sick and seen them recover, that's the greater. If you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover, surely everything you put your hands to, God can cause it to prosper because that's the lesser. Amen. Now, here's what I want to pray with you about. Number one, it begins by knowing Jesus. We're going to pray that. So you have to know Jesus. We're, we're, we're a few weeks away from the windows of heaven opening up. For your life, your business, your anointing, your joy, your happiness, your peace, your prosperity. The pathway to power and prosperity. And it begins with joy. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. Because God is at hand. You enter into his gates with praise and thanksgiving. Amen. Not, not rehearsing what the, oh, that we'll save that for next week. You've got to understand that God wants to make you happy. And he's taking you from the leeks and the garlic to sitting at the king's table. But here's what I want you to do. Some of you, you've heard me teach on breaking family curses. The iniquity of the father. And we understand the iniquity of the physical father. But some of you have had physical or spiritual fathers that have taught you poverty. Church fathers that have taught you poverty. It took, it took Tiz and I a long, a long time to break that. Trust me, it's broke on her. God's not on a budget. He is the God of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. How many of you, we're going to pray, how many of you have sat under the teaching of poverty in church? We want to break that curse right now. Lift your hand up, lift your hand up. How many are ready to go from just enough to more than enough this Pentecost? Say this out loud when they say, Father, I come before you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned, but I know this, you love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority, Satan, get out of my life, get out of my mind, get out of my body, get out of my spirit, get out of my home, my family my finances, and my future. And I declare that every curse of lack, of debt, of poverty, of not enough is broken. And I receive the preparation for prosperity, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. If you're ready, give the Lord a clap offering.